believers. And tonight, uh, it's part of the Be a Disciple um, campaign. It's belonging. How do we belong to the community of believers? And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 tonight, if you want to turn to that. Um, This is about the victorious Christian life. How do we live that out? How do we serve effectively in the community of believers? Um, How do we live and how do we love and how do we reflect the the life of Christ? Um, Before we start uh, reading, I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll open up with that. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the moisture we're receiving. Thank you for your word, for it gives us direction. Uh, It is our plumb line that we have to come up to. We know the standard, and we know we can't do it on our own, that we have to completely trust in you um, by faith and faith alone. And Lord, I just thank you for your word, um, your truth, um, how we can look to it to know how we are to live and how we are to bring glory to you in all that we do. I pray the Lord is as I am speaking, that my voice isn't heard, but your um, direction, your wisdom, your understanding uh, is heard tonight. And uh, that hearts are changed and, and moved uh, because of um, your word and your conviction. Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. So welcome tonight. Uh, we could kind of have like a small group Bible study. It's kind of like what it is. Uh, we don't anticipate a whole lot of people being here this weekend with the, the weather and other things going on. Uh, but let's go ahead, and uh, Romans 12 is 21 verses long, so I'm going to go ahead and read through that. It says, and we've, we've heard this before, it's a popular verse, first two verses. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, Paul is speaking to believers in Christ. He says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Verse 6, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, do it with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you ever wanted to know how we live a victorious Christian life, this chapter tells it like it is. It defines how to live. It defines how to serve and how to reflect the life of Christ. Back in Romans, the beginning of Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, we've all heard that verse, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, another version says, to live, your, live sacrificially. Uh, as I said, Paul is speaking to fellow believers, but he uses strong language. He says, I urge you, I implore you, I beseech you. He's really passionate about this. Him and his own experience uh, of how he came to Christ uh, will go over a little bit in the, in the near future here in this uh, sermon. But he has been impacted greatly by what Christ has done in his life. Christ has changed him. Um, we know Paul, if you could tell, he's passionate. He's uh, lived sacrificially uh, for Christ. This 12th chapter of Romans uh, lays out what God wants for us. There are verses that everybody has heard and know. We've read this over and over. We, call, we are called to be living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifices, and you've all heard this, is that they tend to crawl off the altar. Okay? Uh, it's a, in reference to uh, the Old Testament sacrifices, except those sacrifices uh, uh, ended up dead, and they couldn't crawl off the altar. So here... Uh, Paul says we are to be living sacrifices. We are to be sacrifices that, um, of course, as, as God has generated, regenerated us and made us alive in Christ, we are living sacrifices. We're no longer dead to, dead to the things of Christ. Galatians 2.20, uh, I've said this first before. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. So when we give our life over to Christ, uh, it's not us that lives, but it is Christ that lives in us. And so we have to represent Christ. John fifteen five, 5, um, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. We cannot live uh, for Christ and do things for Christ uh, if we're doing them our, in our own strength. It never comes to the right um, result of bringing glory to God when we're doing everything in our own strength. It some, lots, lots of times ends up in frustration and pain and stress. Paul goes on to say in verse 2 that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, before Christ, we conformed ourselves to this world, the things of this world. Um, the political atmosphere is a good example of that, okay? But we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Christ comes into our hearts. He takes up resonance. He begins that process of transformation, and he wants to renew our mind. It's called sanctification. That's the fancy word for that. And so Christ starts that in us, and we start to change, and, and uh, we start to learn how to bring glory to Christ in our lives and how to serve others and, and everything that we're going to talk about today. 
And so we do that, and we, he wants us to renew us. And in verse 3, it says, For the, Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. We are to think with sound judgment. That's what we are called to do. We are to have this mind of Christ. And the best way to have sound judgment is to have a plumb line. A plumb line is used in construction. It's used, uh, I believe, bricklayers use it. Uh, I think of just landscaping projects I had, have done at, at my house, um, like putting in flower beds. If I don't get that first row complete level, level, completely level, it messes up the rest of the, the levels, second and third and fourth levels. So you have to build the, the firm foundation. You have to build the right foundation and go up from there. Uh, if you don't, uh, then uh, it's a, everything else is affected. So <clears throat> we have to have a plumb line, and a plumb line hangs straight and it has that, that plumb bob at the end, and as it stops moving, uh, when it's straight, everything is right and true. And so um, we have to have that as believers in Christ, okay? Um, we have to know what is right and true. And so what is right and true? It's the Word of God. And the, I go back to Amos 7, and eight, seven verse 8. It says, And Israel was very wanting in their uh, obedience to Christ, obedience to God, and following that, and and God says, Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. So we, God gives us our plumb line. Our plumb line is the word of God. All scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be complete. So old thoughts and old ways... Christ comes into our hearts to renew us and to transform us. Um, we bring, it, we come from the world and we come into a relationship with Christ, we bring what I call a lot of baggage in that we have to be transformed, we have to be renewed. And so Christ comes in our life, he wants to renew us, he wants to change us so we can serve, serve him, that we can uh, bring glory to God. Um, and he gives you more scripture about that. But he says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, that for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And discipline actually means to be refers to have a self-controlled life, a properly prioritized mind. So how do we do that? How do we do that as believers? We look to the word of God. We see what is true and we compare it to where we're at. So we come up to that plumb line um, and try to be like Christ uh, to others and to whether it's other believers or whether it's uh, non-believers to be examples of Christ, we try to work our way up to that plumb line uh, by God's strength. Verse 3 also says that we uh, should not think highly of ourselves. We shouldn't think highly of, the, of, of us. We should not think highly, more highly of ourselves. How does God think of us? That's what we should be concerned about. Uh, if anybody could be puffed up or exalting themselves, Paul uh, was that person, if you know his history. Uh, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the top dog, as I'll, I'll call him, in, in Judaism. Um, he was 
top of the ladder type of thing. And when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, Christ changed him, regenerated him. Um, and so, if anything, buddy was susceptible to elevating themselves and thinking highly of themselves, Paul was there, okay? And, uh, but Christ met him on the road, as I said, and transformed and renewed his life. If we exalt ourselves, pride roots its way into our lives. If we think more highly of ourselves, it gets in the way of God's transforming power, of his ability to, to renew us. So if we think that we're just wonderful and that we've arrived um, and that we've, uh, we're good enough, um, it impedes our ability to be teachable by the Holy Spirit, to be teachable by God. So we need to set our life against the plumb line of God and his word. What does his word say? His word gives us instruction. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 talks about the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts and the difference. So Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 3 goes on to say we're to measure our faith in Christ. Faith means looking away from self. When we place our faith in Christ, um, it is no longer we that live, as Galatians 2.20 says. We're to look to Christ for the strength, for our strength. We're to look to him. We're to measure our faith up against the plumb line of Christ. Through Christ, we can be moving in that direction. We know, you say that we, uh, how can we do that? Well, we can't do that. Uh, we, we have to trust in Christ to change us and renew us to bring us up to that, to that standard. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, talks about how we are to grow in our faith in Christ and it talks about same language as we're going to go on here. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. How do we equip, get equipped? We become equipped by being in his word and studying his word and learning from it and being changed by that so that we can, uh, equipping of the saints for the work of service to um, minister to the body of Christ <clears throat> until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belong to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So how do we see through all that? And it says here, uh, as we grow in our, our faith in Christ and as we get to know his word and what God wants for us, then we won't be carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and in deceitful scheming. Okay? So there's reasons why we have to know the word. And as long as we're on this world, we're always going to be surrounded by the craftiness of men, deceitful scheming, and, and every 
all sorts of wind of doctrine. So we have to know the, the word. Verse 6, back in Romans 12, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if it is prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if it is service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives, give with liberality, do it with liberality. He who leads, be diligent about it. He who shows mercy, make sure that you're cheerful about that. And the only way that we can really serve and exercise our gifts in Christ is not by our own strength, but through the strength of Christ. And when you do that, verse 9, you can love without hypocrisy. When you walk with Christ, you can love without hypocrisy. You can hate what is evil and cling to what is good. When we are living sacrificially, Christ again transforms us and he renews us and he changes us to be more like him. What is the title of Christian? It means to be like Christ, to follow Christ. How do we follow Christ? By being in his word, by looking to him. You want what is true, right, and authentic. So we come up to that plumb line as God had told the Israelites. Our lives are not to be about running away from evil, but about pursuing what is good and what is good. Good is what the word uh, is Christ in his word. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another. Serve one another. Do it diligently. As you know, our culture is all about me, me, me. There used to be a song that I, I listened to in college called Me, Myself, and I. Uh, but Jesus has a different way. And as we'll see, um, we are to respond differently to persecution and trials. So you need to set your life against the plumb line. God wants to change your thinking. Verse 12, it says, We are to rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. How do we rejoice in hope? We look towards Christ's return and our ultimate redemption. We know as we live on this earth, on this side of heaven, we're going to have pain and suffering. Okay? On this side of heaven, we're going to have disappointment. We're going to deal with death. We're going to deal with lots of things that um, uh, could motivate us, can motivate us to look towards Christ's return and our ultimate redemption. We're to persevere in tribulation. Uh, as the world pursues pleasure, that is not how life, life is. It's not full of pleasure um, as the world pursues, but Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own, so that's a guarantee. We're going to have trouble. Uh, we're always going to experience trials and tribulations on this earth, but we are to persevere through it because by faith you are standing next to the plumb line of Christ. You're, by faith you're trusting in Christ. As God transforms and renews, this is the better way. We, the way is better for us. Trials and tribulations grow us and stretch us. As I grow older, and as I'm sure you're experiencing as you grow older, um, 
It's not the great things that happen in our lives that really grow us as believers. It's trials and tribulations that we go through, that we deal with, uh, changes um, in life, uh, chapters of life um, that grow us and change us and, and grow us into being more like Christ. I've always thought to myself that growing faith is not standing in six inches of water just off the shore at the beach. It's easy to trust uh, that you're not going to drown by just standing in six inches of water because you can feel the bottom. But growing faith is when you leave, you can't feel anything underneath your feet, that you know you have to completely trust Christ to, and trust God for his provision in the storms of life. I love the fact that we, as if you look at Peter, um, he messed up a lot of times. He denied Christ three times, um, many other things, but he was in that boat when Christ was out on the water coming towards the boat. And I always like, like to think and, and admire him because at least he stepped out of the boat to walk towards Christ uh, in the stormy seas, okay? He at least stepped out, so he at least trusted Christ. It wasn't until the waves started coming up the distractions, as I call it, the distractions of life and the storms of life, the waves came up that he started to sink. And Christ reached out and grabbed his hand. But at least he stepped out of the boat and walked a little bit on the water. It also says um, that we are to be devoted in prayer. You pray because you believe. Why, why else would we, we pray to God? We know that he controls all things, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that he owns everything, that he controls everything. Um, we pray because we believe that God will provide, that he will give us the strength. We believe God cares, that he cares about our concerns. He cares about our desires, so we pray because we know that he provides that. Second Timothy 1.12 says, well, I'll just go ahead and turn to that. 2 Timothy 1.12 For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So our confidence is not in this world, it's not in our own strength, it's in whom we know whom we've believed. Verse 14, back in Romans 12, 14, says, Bless those who persecute you. The world says fairness is returning insult for insult, returning meanness for meanness. That's the natural reaction, right? Somebody cuts you off on the highway, uh, you want to get around them and look for an opportunity to cut them off, right? If somebody insults you, uh, your first reaction is to insult them, right? Uh, we, like I mentioned earlier, the political climate. Um, it's insult for insult, back and forth, gotcha questions, all this stuff. Um, but that's not how, how Christ wants us to, to live. That's not how he wants us to respond. And here's an example, Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 47, if you want to turn there. Jesus. 
Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We're supposed to, we're supposed to love our enemy? We're supposed to pray for those who persecute us? I think a lot of times um, those who maybe consider us our enemies, consider believers enemies, or that we pray for, um, really God is, when we pray, God's not, we shouldn't be praying that to change that person. God ends up changing us, right? Changing our attitude and changing our thoughts. Verse 15 and 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the holy, lowly. Be concerned for others. Again, do not be haughty in mind. Do not be, think more highly of yourself uh, than you ought to, but you should associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your estimation. Don't think that you are better than others. Our life is supposed to be lived being others-oriented, thinking about others first before our own needs, serving others. Verse 17 says, Never pay back evil to e- for evil to anyone. Set your ways up against the plumb line of Christ. If the plumb line, the truth of God's word, is this, we know where we need to go. Because we know we're not perfect, right? If we were perfect, uh, then we wouldn't be here. We'd be with Christ. Because we will not, uh, we are to work out our salvation. We're supposed to work through that. After we get saved, we're supposed to work it out. Uh, grow in Christ. I, I think of our, um, our church mission, I call it a mission statement. We're supposed to see people get saved and then see saved people grow and to encourage believers to reach the next. Uh, if we waited until we grew completely, uh, we wouldn't be reaching the next. We'd be always concerned about ourselves. So it's a dual process. We're to, to grow and also reach the next believer, the people that we should be sharing our, our faith with, our testimonies with. Paul says in verse 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. How about that? Are we at peace with all men? I think of that, and sometimes it's, it's hard to avoid having an enemy or having somebody that um, is difficult to be around. I, I, am, uh, I know we all have difficult people we have to deal with, uh, but the Word says that we are to be at peace with all men, so we have that plumb line to come up with. Um, I am somebody's difficult person that they're dealing with all the time. First and foremost, I think about my wife and, and kids. I'm the difficult dad sometimes. I'm not always perfect, so um, I can be difficult. I'm a work in progress, okay? But he says, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. When we pray in faith, God doesn't change the difficult person, as I said before. He changes your heart. And we know that God is in the business of transforming and renewing, moving us towards Christ-likeness. 
And humility is the key. Humility, as I've read through this chapter and I've studied this chapter, humility is required to be a living sacrifice. Humility is required to not think of yourself more highly than you thought you should. Humility uh, is required in order to walk with God and to serve others. Humility is required to love without uh, hypocrisy. Humility is required to bless those who persecute you because that's not our natural reaction. Humility is required to not be haughty in mind, to not be wise in our own estimation, to never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Humility is the key. It gives us great strength. And it comes from maturity and faith. So that's why we need to be working up to that plumb line, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's word that gives us freedom and the ability to serve others as God would want us. A haughty spirit, a prideful spirit, renders us unteachable and stops the transforming and renewing that our lives need to take as we live for Christ. Jesus has a better way. Humility is a foundation for a sound mind. When Scripture talks about having a sound mind or having the mind of Christ, it means that we are to be founded on the, our minds are supposed to have the foundation of, of him and his words. So we're to have that. Humility is, is that foundation. Make sure you have done all that you can do to be at peace with all men. And so how do we do that? How do we have humility? James 3, <clears throat> 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what is the wisdom from above? The wisdom from the Word, from God. That is the wisdom from above, and that's how we are transformed and renewed in Christ. Verse 19, back in Romans 12, says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So, never take your own revenge. What is our natural response? To have revenge. Our flesh wants to act out. The flesh and the spirit are always going to battle on this side of heaven, and it's our natural response to want to lash out. I think of so many times when I wanted to do that, and what, what does God do? The Holy Spirit reminds me of what his word says, that we're not supposed to take revenge, that we're supposed to heat burning coals on the head, meaning we should extend kindness and goodness to people who are our enemies that view us as enemies. He says, feed your enemy. Give him a drink. Well, why would we do that? But we are called to be set apart for the works of Christ as believers. Right? Doesn't mean that we're supposed to separate ourselves from the world, but we're, God has called us and set us apart to do those things. 
It's not natural in this world to feed your enemy or to give them a drink so that they can um, recover or whatever, to be kind. Jesus has the better way. When we set our life up against the plumb line, plumb line of Christ, kindness and goodness prevail. It, when we heap those burning coals upon their head, as it says, it confounds those that have their hearts set against God. When believers lovingly help their enemies, it should bring shame to such people for their hate and animosity. And lastly, verse 21, this says, Do not be, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let evil take you down. Who's doing the transforming if you're allowing evil to overcome you, right? We should be overcoming evil with good. Let goodness that comes from a transformed life, a renewed life, overcome evil. So, it is living sacrificially, living a life transformed and renewed day by day that exalts and brings glory to God. As we walk in humility, with a sound mind, and the faith that we have been given, we can be difference makers for the kingdom. As we set ourselves up to the plumb line of Christ, we grow in faith and maturity. We live differently. And we live a life that's different because it's a life that reflects the ways of Christ. It makes a difference. If I've always been told, and especially when I first came to Christ, that you're always being watched. If you're a believer in Christ, you're being watched. And so not to put a lot of stress and pressure on you, but how you live your life out, how you reflect Christ is always being watched by unbelievers. It's be, you're being watched by believers, too, because uh, they want to be encouraged. They want to cease. They gain strength. I gain strength. I'm a people watcher. When I, I observe other believers serving God, that gives me faith. That helps grow my faith. Okay? So it's not just unbelievers watching you to see if you're really a hypocrite or not. Um, believers are watching you because they... Um, watch, they see you serve, they see you live for Christ, they see your life reflect Christ, and they are strengthened by that, and their faith is strengthened. So one of the duties that we, um, not duties, but things that we should be compelled about when we come together in corporate worship is to encourage one another. That's what we are called to do. We are to encourage and to serve one another. So, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're, uh, Ken said we're having communion tonight. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll go ahead with that. Father God, thank you, Lord, for today. Again, thank you for the moisture we're receiving. Thank you for your word that is truth. It is life. You, you say, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. And Thank you, Lord, for those that have given their lives over to you, that they've surrendered, that they live sacrificially, that they desire to serve you all the days of their life. I pray these things in your name. Amen.